Are you hesitating to take the next step in your e-commerce journey? Founder Plus has you covered with proven frameworks tailored to your business needs for fast results, a supportive community of over 30,000 like-minded entrepreneurs and weekly live mentorship sessions. Founder Plus is your key to success. Try Founder Plus today for just $1 for seven days and start building your dream business with confidence. You can visit founder.com forward slash start dollar trial or click the link in the description to claim your trial. This is episode number 400 with Mary Ruth Guyam of the Founder Podcast. What you need is thirst. You need to be a thirsty human. Who is intent on learning. It's a really fascinating, fascinating exploration of human potential. Now. Now. now, the Founder Podcast. Even the greatest entrepreneurs had help. If you want to learn from the most successful founders on the planet, you are in the right place. Branson, Mark Cuban, Tony Robbins, Tim Ferriss, Ariana Huffington, Seth, Steve Case, Gary V, Sophia Amoroso, Robert Corcoran, Damon John. Learn from the greatest minds in business today with interviews hosted by Nathan Chan. This is not your average entrepreneur podcast. The Founder Podcast. Hey guys, thank you so much for tuning in. Before we start today's episode, I just want to let you know that our goal at Founder is to help entrepreneurs succeed however we can by giving away high quality content in the form of interviews, blog posts, podcasts, YouTube videos, you name it. We put out so much content to help you. And another interesting project that we're working on right now is partnering with world-class founders like Damon John, Alexa Von Tobel, Greta Van Riel, and so many more to teach crucial skills like negotiation, finance, e-commerce, and so much more. So if you'd like to get access to these free trainings with founders like this, which is 100% free, just go to founder.com forward slash free. Okay, so now let's talk about today's episode. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the show. Today's guest went from 700K in debt to creating a $100 million wellness empire with no investors at all. Mary Ruth Guyam is a certified nutritional consultant, culinary chef, author, founder of Mary Ruth Organics, and she has an incredible story to share. So guys, please welcome to the podcast, Mary Ruth Guyam. So the first question they ask everyone that comes on is, how did you get your job, aka how did you find yourself doing the work you're doing today? Um, first of all, thank you so much for having me on the podcast. And I started my brand eight years ago, um, really in 2013, but we didn't have products until 2014. But in 2013, I had in New York City on 47th and 3rd, a private practice with nutrition clients that was just one-on-one. And I was sharing with them a concept called liquids to lunch, which is just, it was kind of before it's time. A lot of people have heard of this kind of thing by now, but liquids to lunch is just having a smoothie or green juice or a vegetable broth until lunchtime. And everyone would say all of our clients, um, and they were very busy career driven professionals in New York city. Oh, I love doing liquids to lunch, but every time I take a vitamin capsule while doing liquids to lunch, I'm so nauseous. And that actually gave me the idea to start our product line um, and make our very first product 
which was the liquid morning raspberry multivitamin, which today we have over 130 products, but it's still our number one best-selling product, which is special because it wasn't an idea that I had. It was actually an idea that I got from taking care of people. And I have been taking care of people my entire life. So um, that, that was really the seed level of what is today Mary Ruth Organics. And, um, and there's so much to go into, even just building that product line from an, I was in a tremendous amount of debt, but that's really where it started. Yeah. Wow. So look, um, when uh, your team reached out to us, they said, you, yeah, you went from $700,000 in debt to creating a, over a $100 million wellness empire. Um, so can you tell us a little bit more about like, yeah, what, like how, how did that, how, what happened? It's so amazing. You have such an amazing podcast with so many people listening who I know are, are doing very much the same thing, maybe starting from zero, starting from a deficit. And something important for everyone to know about that $700,000 in debt is that was the most painful type of debt possible, which is that was money. And, and I'll explain where it came from that I owed to my friends and to my family and credit card debt. Um, and I was able, it took me seven years to get out of debt, but I was able to pay each of those people back with about eight or 9% interest. And I was in a debt management program for credit cards. But where that money came from was I grew up very spoiled. Um, my dad and my seven-year-old brother, Daniel, passed away suddenly. And then my mom, who's so amazing, she's, um, she was actually the CFO of our company for eight years. But um, we just hired a, a new CFO in November. Um, it, it was so amazing that she took over my dad's business, but th there were some things that weren't in alignment, meaning we, she was running this business at the time. It was a lumber business that had 300 employees, $89 million in revenue and six locations. And then the housing market crashed. So Lehman Brothers crashed. And that whole thing kind of let, left us in after she had to shut down that business and sell those locations, um, left us in personal debt of $700,000. So just my mom and I, and a couple of years went by and I started this new business, which I have today. Um, and what's important to know is that before we had product line, I had to pay about 60,000, $40,000, it was, it was anywhere, each month was anywhere between $40,000 and $60,000 to pay for my apartment, my mom's apartment in New York City, my office apartment, which was Regis, which is very similar to WeWorks, just so to pay two apartments, an office building, and all of my debt management program, plus the money that I had to pay monthly payments to each person that I owed money to. Um, and I was able to make about $40,000 a month through signing up people one-on-one -on -one for my private 12 sessions of nutrition. So I still remember, Nathan, the, the magic number was uh, 12 sessions, 12 session package for $2,860 a month. And I would sign up like 20 people a month and I would keep going. And I had this business model that is not truly sustainable when you're in that kind of debt. 
where, and I, and I was making it work. I got married in 2013. That's the year that I launched that private practice and I really was making it work. Um, and I was paying off all of that debt, but it was, I mean, I didn't really see how I could get any leverage. And so it was kind of like the perfect storm. My husband said to me, and, and maybe later on, I'll tell you the story that I think the, a lot of founders would like about a choice I had to make, whether I was going to marry my husband or not, that had a lot to do with a financial decision. But um, I said, okay, I'm going to make a product. And this product's going to be the liquid morning multivitamin. And for six months, I called all the manufacturers and no one is going to take a run for a custom blend product for 90 bottles. No one. Right. If you're going to do a custom blend with a manufacturer, you've got to have at least like twenty thousand dollars. Yeah, because like MOQ is like a few thousand, right? At least. Yes, at least at the very least. And I told this one manufacturer, so I'm in New York and she's in California. I said, I promise if you make this liquid morning raspberry multivitamin, remember the, the first product. Now we have one hundred thirty products but that's still our bestseller. I said, I promise you, someday we'll be your biggest account. And someday we became so big that we, we had to leave them, but we obviously parted on good terms. Um, but, but the point is that she shipped those 90 bottles to my 580 square foot apartment in New York City. And I took, I think 60 of those bottles to my office. And my husband had made the label on his laptop and printed it out and sent it to the to the manufacturing um, facility. And I shipped like 20 of them to Amazon. And that was before Amazon was cool, Nathan. So that was way before. I mean, we were on an airplane once and my husband said, some guy was like, oh, what do you do? I'm like, oh, we sell vitamins on Amazon. And my husband elbowed me and said, shh, don't tell people you sell products on Amazon. Um, because at the time it was furniture and books and a few other things. And, um, and so what happened was my private clients reviewed the product, like 20 people without me even asking. And it went into the algorithm of Amazon. It went to the first page and there was no sugar in this vitamin. That's what made it different than the other liquid vitamins. It's just glycerin makes, makes it sweet, the raspberry uh, flavors. And we started selling. I remember crying the first Saturday, we sold like $250 worth of vitamins. And I, I honestly could see a path of like getting to do what I love, getting to help people deliver this amazing product. And I saw that I would not be the only one digging us out of this $700,000 in debt. And honestly, there's so much to unpack here. I, I, I can't wait to share with you. Um, how much we grew each year, but we grew it to over a hundred million in revenue with zero outside funding. And we were profitable from day one. And I'm sure, as you know, it usually takes companies about two years to turn a profit. And there were things that we did that were extremely strategic that I believe in very much. And we did them by ourselves, my mom and I, and then eventually my husband started to help us as well. Yeah, that's amazing. Well, let's uh, let's dive into to, to the products and and that journey. So, like, um, I'm curious. First of all, before we get into some of the strategic things that you did, 
you said that um, you had to make a choice. What was that choice? If someone asked me, okay, what was the one decision that you had control over, right? Because in business, everything happens every day that we have really no control over. But there was one choice. So I'm 37 years old. There was one choice along the way that allows me to be here on the podcast with you today. And it was, am I going to marry someone I love very much who has no money? Or am I going to marry someone else who is very interested in me at the time who has about 20 million in the bank? And I had to make a decision and I married David and we're born on the same day, same year, February 11th, 1984. And he's born three hours before me. And we were, were very much in love, but also we've gotten to grow this amazing business together. But at that time when we're living in New York City and I'm in all of that debt, you know, $700,000 is, is, it's overwhelming. Um, and knowing that this other person in our group of friends that I could, I could go, you know, be with this person, but he's not the person that I love so much. Um, was, was the, one of the most important decisions I ever made, because if I, if I had married him, I, I would not have this company at all. And my whole team, we have 110 employees and we're honestly so close. And, and so I think that that's important for people have to make all kinds of decisions. And I knew I grew up with very loving parents. And so I think I've always had a lot of self-esteem, even maybe delusional self-esteem, where I knew like I can get myself out of this problem. I don't know how, but I don't need anyone external to help me. And so I was able to just make the decision to marry David and and to go forward seriously by myself, um, trying to to put the business together. And and I think that that's important for anyone listening. That I do believe if you are dedicated enough and you manage your time correctly, that you can be the cause of your life and not the effect. That's the, that's the best feeling. Yeah. Wow. Um, thank you for sharing. And, you know, just around all this and the journey, did you ever feel like giving up? Um, Cause seven years is a long time to recover from debt. Like how did you stay optimistic? I think sometimes with any challenge and any problem, you, this is just my personal belief. You don't have to know the answer, but you have to manage your time correctly. And so another big thing is that I've done time blocking for the last 15 years of my life. I actually calculated that I've done time blocking for over 130,000 hours and time blocking really allowed me to never lose momentum or motivation. Um, and connect like small micro actions to a macro dream or viewpoint. I mean, honestly, throughout, throughout from 2013, I got out of debt a couple weeks, no, a couple months before I gave birth to my first child. So also, um, I'm the CEO of our company, not just the founder. Um, so I'm, I'm in a lot of obviously operational meetings all day long. And I also had four children in the last four years. So that can get a little messy. 
I have a four-year-old, a three-year-old and, and two twins that are 15 months old. Um, but I used like the time blocking um, to always push me forward. Even if I felt like I was just treading water, um, it was something that I go back to every single day within a 24-hour period. And it gives me inspiration to keep going, even if you feel like uh, I'm about to lose a motivation um, after 15 years of time blocking. I mean, I mean, I have it right in front of me here. Um, what is that? Can you show us? So I actually made these time blocking journals, um, for my 110 employees. So you see this? Yeah. So every day it says the day of the week, you write down what you're going to do. And then you, you have to do it the day before you slate out exactly what's going to happen. Um, I was in customer care and EOS leadership managing director meetings all day. And I knew I had this podcast and it was on that time blocking sheet. And I also use these scissors and, and they're not even here for the podcast. They're just here because that's generally what I do at my desk all day long. And as I go, I, I cut along. And what's most important is that so many challenges come up and you don't get to do everything that you set out to do every day at all. Um, already accepting that people are going to interrupt you all day long is actually a, a great way to move forward. And so you just keep shifting all the priorities to the next time blocking sheet. And I, again, I have done this every single day for 15 years and you even put in fun things you want to do. Um, like go for a walk outside. And it just keeps you going. And, and if it were not for time blocking, I promise you, Nathan, I absolutely 100% would have lost motivation along the way. It's just such a micro thing that I attach to macro. Um, and it helps me be a part of my children's life and a part of all of my employees' lives. And I, we teach it at our company. Um, every quarter, we have a time blocking worksheet, wor workshop. Every once a month, we have a book club that's kind of related to this and a fun lunch we do every single week, uh, every single month. So. Yeah, wow, very interesting. So with the time blocking, you're basically accounting for every hour of the day, every day. Do you time block on weekends too, I suppose, with your 100%. family? Yep. 100%. Yep. Do you ever have time where it is not blocked and it's just kind of free time? So many people who love to time block absolutely have time free time where they're not time blocking. Um, but as a mother of four very young children, it doesn't really look like that for me, but, but there's nice things like, uh, at 7 PM, it'll say measure Jacob's foot and order sneakers. It's like, you know, the real life thing, or, um, you know, change the car seat to a booster seat, whatever it is, but it, it, it's someone's birthday. You're going to go to dinner with someone. It's all there, but also there's something about the paper. The see, there's so much digital stuff. It's easy to be like, well, I'll just work on the budget, the annual budget review next time with my CFO. You know, it it keeps you more um, in order. Hey guys, I hope you're enjoying this episode and learning a ton. As you know, in this series, we interview some of the greatest founders of our generation to find out how they did it. However, if you're thinking of starting your own business and you want to hear from some incredible stories from everyday people like you or I who are actually in the trenches, only been building their business for maybe one year or two years, like that are building right now and they're really in the early stages, but they're getting success. 
you should come and check out our new podcast, From Zero to Founder, hosted by our community manager, Molly Flynn. These are in-the-trenches stories from our very own successful students that have gone through some of our programs. People just like you who are deep within the process of building their very own successful business. These are the founders of tomorrow. You can find the From Zero to Founder podcast on all platforms. And remember, it's founder without the E. All right, now let's jump in the show. As you've scaled Mary Ruth Organics, like, has how have you ensured that the vision remains protected? This is such an amazing question um, because this is mostly, I, I like to do everything in chronological order. And so I'm very, very involved operationally. Sometimes we have obviously an org chart at our company, but I still like to insert myself in meetings that maybe traditionally a CEO would not be in, um, in order to really gauge like what's, what is the collective consensus of how our employees are feeling. So we have a very high employee retention rate. I would say, I mean, we have a hundred for the first four years, we didn't hire any employees. That's actually how we were profitable. We would take any profit and make new products instead of, instead of hiring new employees. Then in the last four years, we hired, we went from like 10 employees, 20 employees to in 2020, we hired 55 employees. And then in 2021, we went over 110 and we've maybe lost like six or seven employees along the way. And it was more just for things like they had autoimmune disease and they needed to take time off. So one, we have a high employee retention rate and I think it has to do with communication. So there's a couple of things that I've put into the structure of our company that allow for, I would say non-traditional communication, which is uh, I meet with one employee a day for 10 minutes, a couple times a week. So that means I know everyone on our team, meaning just having that 10 minutes, it's, it's, it's life-changing. Like if anyone is listening, even if you have a team of 20, if you take, you could do two people a week, 10 minutes in person or on Zoom. And it's not even like anything about the company. It's just like, I just want to hear something about your life if you'd like to share. And I just did one two days ago and one of the customer care representatives was saying that they, both their children just went back to school and they're growing herbs in their garden and they're going to donate the herbs to an, a, you know, a special location. And we also have a company culture meeting once a month where we invite 10 people a month till we hit over 110. So, and I'm in that meeting for 45 minutes and there's a whole agenda and I get to hear from 10 people plus human resources. We have a confidential suggestion box that I personally read and my mom personally reads every Friday night. So HR will send it and I get to read the feedback. We have anonymous surveys. So we do a couple anonymous surveys and we did one last year in March. It was 54 questions, everything from diversity, equity, and inclusion to how do you feel about your supervisor? Do you feel like there's room to grow? Compensation and benefits. And every question was rated on a scale of one to five. And I asked human resources if we could divide it into everyone who's been at my company over one year and everyone who's been at the company under one year. So everyone knew getting onboarded because I was very confident that everyone who's been with me longer will actually score higher than the new hires. 
And in that anonymous survey, 54 questions on a scale of one to five, everyone who's been here for over one year was scored in every category above a four. And then all, everyone who's been here under one year in every single category was scored above a four, except for compensation and benefits, we scored a 3.88, which is not a bad thing because they're brand new. And, and as, as they grow, we do a lot of raises. And um, just a few more things. We, at the end of every year, we give a bonus to every single person in the company based off of how long they've been here and a couple other sliding scales. Um, so that's also like a big, big happy day. Like every managing director gives it to their direct reports. It's very inspiring. And then this year we rolled out a long-term incentive plan um, for every single employee, domestic and international. So everyone's kind of part of that LTI. And, and then, like I mentioned before, every single month we have book club, which is my book, Liquids to Lunch, where everyone just shares. And then the time blocking workshop. And then the company, the fun lunches, which I go to all, I go to all of this. I'm teaching the book club and I'm teaching the time blocking. And fun lunch, yesterday, 45 minutes, we did name that tune. So we divide into teams, name that tune, then we do karaoke, trivia, scavenger hunts, just kind of, there's like many things like this, but I think that the more you invest in it personally, a lot of times like you're the founder or the CEOs pulled out, which is important in certain areas, but I think they should also, if their personality is inclined, I think by injecting yourself more, um, you can build the strongest team and, and together you're going to get through all the obstacles and all the challenges. Mm, yeah, amazing. Thank you for sharing. And I'd love to talk about uh, staying bootstrapped. So um, has that always been your plan? Um, and have you ever considered uh, outside capital? So we actually took our very first investment deal in August couple months ago. So August of 2021. So um, in the beginning, we were, we, we really didn't think much about it. And so we would grow each year and then we could, I think we could have kept going for 18 more months without doing a minority investment deal. Um, but our goal is to take our company public on the stock market in early 2025. So we thought like now's a good time to take on a minority partnership, do due diligence, right? So to make it through your first round of funding, due diligence took us 10 months. It was so intense, um, was such an amazing stake in the ground for us because when you can, I mean, I'm sure as you know, when you can pass due diligence, it's really saying to the world like who you say your company is internally is external internal and external are really matching so that was like an amazing moment for us um for my mom and i um as as female founders i think you know only three percent of funding uh, you know outside funding goes to women every single year and only 0.64 goes to minority women so that was a big deal for us and i think i definitely wanted to give up a few times along the way and we took on an investment deal from an amazing private equity 
um, fund named Butterfly, who their whole portfolio is either certified B Corp or about to be B Corp. So we're in the middle of becoming certified B Corp. So, but along the way, what allowed us to kind of bootstrap and do it ourselves was this understanding of cash flow and financial freedom, and most importantly, our negative cash flow conversion cycle, um, which allowed us to. For those of you who are listening, just ask our manufacturers to deliver products and allow us to pay them like three months out, always creating, allowing us to sell the product and take that cash flow and create a negative cash flow conversion cycle like Walmart has. Um, and that's why Walmart is able to grow and scale. Interesting. So what are some of the other things that you guys did strategically um, to get to over a hundred million in annual revenue before taking on outside capital? One of the most important takeaways, I think, for anyone who's listening is that it's so important to go slow and to be patient. I, I'm, I'm slowing down so that people will really think about what I'm saying. Um, there's a quote, everyone overestimates what they can do in one year and underestimates what they can do in 10 years. So if I'm 37, if you go back 10 years, I'm 27. Um, I didn't even have a business then. And to go from such debt to a, a healthy company um, was done one day at a time in a very patient way. So for example, in the beginning, we literally, I'm not even joking, when I said that I was on QVC last night, last night was the first time in my eight year career that I had a photographer come for $200 to take some professional photo shoot. I did not take any professional photos for eight years because I was always very busy trying to run our business and it wasn't about like the right landing page or taking my photos or my business card or any of those things. I'm not putting down anyone who has taken professional photos, but I'm just trying to share that the most important thing to us was like how we grew against all odds was like, we have really delicious products. Like they're very delicious. So people enjoy it and then look forward to taking the delicious high quality product. We take compliance and quality assurance very seriously. And then we really focused on customer care. Like if we take care of one person, we do a good job, they're gonna tell their friend. So for years we didn't have marketing spends. So we weren't just like, everyone thinks, Actually, I actually was on one podcast and they said sometimes what happens is if you take an investment early on, it gives you a false sense of uh, like being invincible. Like now we have all this cash. Let's just uh, run a billboard campaign and, and pay an influ influencer half a million. By the way, and I'm not knocking anyone at all. My comments are more for people who are feeling like the underdog or like, oh my goodness, is, is, is my business ever going to go anywhere? I'm here to say that I think through time blocking and a lot of patience and not spending any money you don't have, like no spending, no money, zero money that you don't have. So that's really what we did. We said like, okay, we got $700,000 in debt. We bought 90 bottles of vitamins. We're going to sell some in my office. We're going to sell some on Amazon. We're going to get a little check. We're going to buy a little more inventory. 
and we're going to keep going. And then the key, I actually was at a dinner, Nathan, recently with some very big founders. You would know all of these, these companies, but we all started at about the same time. And two of the founders, uh, I, I kind of just, they're my close friends. So I kind of just want to say who they are, but we found out something the three of us did in common was that we all didn't hire any employees for the first four years. And that's so powerful. Trust me, like think of two of the biggest collagen brands or smoothie brands that you can think of right now. That's two of the guys. Literally, we were all sitting at Avra in Beverly Hills and literally they said, I said, when did you hire first employee? We all said four years in. And that was so key because patience, right? Like we're not going to get an assistant that costs 50 or 60,000. Instead, we're going to take the 50 or 60,000 and make another product that we want to sell to help people's lives. And so um, those little things, like that's what allowed us to kind of just have free will because financial stability, financial freedom is free will. A lot of times, like that's where it gets sticky in business. Like if, if you're not watching the cash flow and the balance sheet carefully, you might have to take on more rounds of funding and more rounds of funding. And then all of a sudden, oh my gosh, you, you, you're forced to go public because there's no other, no other funding is going to work. And, and so for those who are brand new and listening, I think the better way is instead of rushing it, I actually said no to a lot of investment deals. And I think that that's what allowed us to kind of get to this place where we were more in control. Yeah, amazing. And also, um, one thing that you guys have done really, really well is showing behind the scenes of your life on social media. Why is this important to you? I think it just goes back to what I was sharing earlier in the podcast. Like, I genuinely enjoy being at the fun lunch with my team and teaching book club and hearing about their lives. And I answer quite a lot of direct messages on my own still through voice memos. So I'll read like 20 or 30 of them after my children are sleeping and I'll reply with a voice memo. And I, the, the strategy in the beginning was not to have like certain branding or certain marketing spend. It was more just like, it was literally the message was just like, I'm here. My whole team is here. We want to answer all your questions. We want to help you. And, and for me, that works. I hope we're going to get a blue check soon. Like two weeks ago on Instagram, I filled out the uh, form where you can send in like six or seven pieces of media. Um, yeah. So um, I hope the blue check is coming. But the truth is just that I just felt like this, this is my life. And, and I showed all my pregnancies and all. I really share everything there, but it's just because I just want people to know, like, this is really me and my mom and my husband and my family and our, our whole team. Yeah. Amazing. Thank you for sharing. And you guys have over a hundred thousand five-star reviews. Uh, like you have an army of really loyal customers. What's your philosophy on like, building these relationships at scale with your customers? Cause that is something that is very enviable. I have this favorite saying, I used it today um, in, in one of the management meetings for customer care. 
I, I say it all the time though, it's just called no stone left unturned. So I once read something about how if you ignore someone, um, it releases something, a chemical in their brain that's the same as like a bodily injury, meaning like ignoring someone is, is very bad. Um, and so kind of the theme of like internal matches external, like at our company, we're definitely like over communicators. We love the app called Slack. If anyone's listening and you're not on Slack, um, I highly recommend this app um, for team building. And so even in our company, I get back to everyone um, because I think it's so important. I know it's not always scalable, but I think if you have certain chain of command, certain things can be scalable. And the same thing with our customers. We try our very best. We have 40 people. We have customer care 24 seven. So a lot of times it's like 8 a.m. to 5.30 only on Eastern Standard Time. Like we have customer service 24 seven, 365, except this year we did give Christmas a break, but that was the first time in eight years. And so we try to be like through phone calls, through chat. Listen, every company is always going to mess up. There's so many things we can't control. Um, like 59% of complaints are, are shipping problems, right? That's not really always our fault, you know? So, um, but we just try to be there for people. And we're not trying to say that we're, we're so great and we mess up all the time. Um, but, but I think it's like at least giving people the space to communicate, make something right. And I think like the 100,000 five-star reviews comes from delicious products. All our products are vegan. All our products are non-GMO. Um, 57 of them are certified, USDA certified organic with 18 more, almost certified organic on the way. I think just, I think if uh, anyone called our customer service, they would see that people are just trying, we're just trying to help. Yeah, awesome. And Look, uh, really conscious of your time, we have to work towards wrapping up, but this has been an amazing conversation. You've been so open, honest, giving, very clear, you know your stuff, you know your numbers, like to, to the ladder, it's impressive. Um, so what's the, the long-term vision here for, you know, Mary Ruth Organics 10 years from now? You said in the next, what, three years, you guys are looking to IPO, but yeah, what does 10 years from now look like? What's the long-term vision? So couple things that were really important for me personally is a lot of the people that we hired, um, I'm so excited for, and we want to go IPO in 2025, early 2025. And I think that that's also amazing for a lot of the people on my team um, to have financial empowerment through, through all the years that they've been working on the business. It's, it's also uh, very, it's very meaningful for me. I think 80 is, I think about 80% of our company is women. And um, so just like from an internal perspective, I feel like that is going to be, I mean, it's three years out and we all talk about it all the, all the time in the monthly reporting and our board meetings in growing our company. We want to build the, the, the vision of what we're trying to do is we want to be one of like the top five companies in the world to work for and one of the top companies in the world to purchase something from. So these are kind of shared common goals with, with our whole team. And, and I think that that 
goes along with the internal external theme, like to work for us, to be a good company to work for, and a good company to purchase something from is really closing the loop. It's very exciting. I want to truly um, also lead my company as the CEO. I read, you probably already know this, but in the last like 100 years, there's only been 22 companies that were female founded um, and not just founded, but also the person, the woman was the CEO at the time the company went public. So it was only 22. Um, so that's also meaningful for us. There weren't a lot of CPG companies. It was a lot of digital tech companies. And I, I admire everyone who's done this. I'm hoping that that, that, will, that will be achievable for us. Um, and I want to be a part of my company for like the next like 60 years. Uh, I, I think if I couldn't wake up every morning and do this, it would feel like uh, I had a lot of energy and, and nowhere to use that energy. And I hope that we can help so many people just go to their next level. I'll say this as a closing remark. When I made the first product that I spoke about, the liquid morning multivitamin and raspberry, we also made one. It was a nighttime multi-mineral. So they were made at the same time and sold at the same time. And it's what really put us on the map because it created a little routine for everyone. So in the morning, they take the raspberry morning multi and at night before they go to bed, they take the magnesium nighttime one for sleep. So it's like putting these two little anchors in people's routine within a 24 hour period. It's like, I take my shot in the morning. I take my shot before bed. And that's kind of why it spread was it's part of a routine. And like I had mentioned before, I had overcome like a lot of loss and death in my life and other challenges. And I always uh, moved forward because I had this routine. And for me, the time blocking was like a huge part of that routine. And I hope that my company can bring time blocking to the world, help everyone create a routine within a 24 hour period that allows them to live a healthier life. We actually have a billboard campaign we want to do in the fall, which is like half time blocking sheets on a billboard. And it'll be like a four-year-old and he'll be smiling and he'll say like at 7 a.m. He takes his multivitamin gummy. Um, so that's really what we're here. I mean, that's, that's honestly the truth of what we say at my company in, in our internal meetings that we're going to bring time blocking to the world, help people create a routine, help them go to their next level. Um, it's very exciting. And I honestly appreciate um, the opportunity to come on your podcast. Oh, you're welcome. Well, look, uh, we'll move to the rapid fire questions. Um, we've got three questions, 60 second answers. Um, so what's the one trait you need to be successful? Perseverance. What's the secret to having almost no staff turnover? If you have at least under 200 employees, please get to know every single person's name get to know what seat they're in. And if you're using Slack on the first day they get onboarded, it's nice to make them a Slack voice memo that just says like, hi, I'm so excited to have a second person in the IT department. We're so excited that you're here. If you ever need anything, please Slack me. Awesome. And uh, last one, if you could have dinner with any entrepreneur, dead or alive, who would it be and why? Okay, so this is phenomenal question. Um, oh my goodness. I, I'm going to say Martha Stewart um, 
only because I, I, I love, she had over a hundred cookbooks. I think what she has done and did is unique. I, I didn't know about her for a long time or really understand, um, I think what she did. Um, but I hope no one is going to judge my answer on the podcast. And if we're talking about inspiring movies, I loved King Richard and I loved the Michael Jordan last dance. So those are two like really inspiring films. Oh, awesome. Thank you for sharing. No, no judgment here. Um, well, awesome. Look, conscious of your time, but uh, yeah, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with us. Uh, yeah, it was an amazing interview. I really appreciate your time and congratulations on all your success thus far. Really inspiring journey. Thank you so much, Nathan. Hey guys, I hope you enjoyed this interview. As you might already know, our mission at Founder is to help tens of millions of people every single week with our content either start or grow their business, which is exactly why we're partnering with world-class founders such as Damon John, Alexa Von Tobel, Greta Van Riel, and so many more to teach crucial skills such as negotiation, finance, e-commerce, and so much more. So if you'd like to get access to these free exclusive trainings, please go to founder.com forward slash free. These are 100%. We go super in depth on teaching a particular topic, and I know that you're going to love them if you enjoy this podcast. So just go to founder.com forward slash free. All right, guys, I'll see you in the next episode.